Well, if you're with us for the first time, or maybe it's been a first time in a while, we're in week uh, two of our series, Fearless. And we're, we're talking about the fears that encompass our life and the fears that hinder us in different areas. And today we're gonna talk about a common fear, fear that everybody faces from time to time. We're gonna talk about the fear of failure. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter one and verse seven. Very familiar scripture when we talk about fear in life in general. Why do we talk about fear? We talk about fear because it's one of the most Googled terms on the planet. How to overcome fear is one of the most Googled terms that you're, you're gonna see people type into a search engine. It's one of the most common videos that are watched on YouTube, how to deal with fear or phobias or different issues of fear. So fear is a real issue that plagues people, plagues everyday people, plagues all of us at times. So it's something that we need to learn to deal with and it's something that we need to learn to conquer. If you have your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So fear doesn't come from God. We understand that. There's a fear or reverence of God that's talked about in the Bible, but that's not the same thing as a terrified moment where you are petrified, you're too afraid to move or to do what God's called you to do. That's fear, and that's not from God. But he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. The ability to overcome the grace to have a soundness of mind so that we know the decisions we're making are the right decisions and to feel and to understand God's love. Those things come from him, but not this intense idea of fear. Fear does not come from God any way, shape, or form. So as we study today, I wanna to make you a few promises. One, I believe today that God's brought some of you to this moment, that as we study God's word, that you can overcome fears that have held you bound, that have kept you from actually doing what God's called you to do, that have kept you from, from actually experiencing the destiny that God's called you to. See, the Spirit of God can, can touch our lives in such a way that when we, were, we surrender ourselves to him and to his lordship, that he can erase the fear that we all face, that he can erase the fear that we all are challenged by so that we can live fully in him, See, I believe in most of our lives, there are times and stations and seasons when we're not living up to our full potential. I'd like to say that every day of the world, I've lived up to my full potential. That's absolutely not true. My mom's here today, my aunt's here, my wife was here earlier. They can all tell you there are definite moments in life where I failed in my potential. We all have that opportunity. Everyone fears failure. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the CEO of a massive corporation, you, feel fa you fear failure at one point or another. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're doing your best to keep those kids corralled, you will fear failure at one point or another. We fear things like failing our spouse, not being the husband or the wife that we could be. We fear things like failing our children, not being the parent that we could be. I fear that all the time that there are gonna be moments in time where I'm gonna to have to look my boys in the face and say, listen, I wasn't the perfect father. I did my best and I tried to do the right thing by you, but there are moments where I have succumbed to desires of my own will and whim and I was not the perfect dad. There are moments in life where we fear failure in our business opportunities, where we fear failure at our jobs, that we can't, we can't accomplish the tasks that are in front of us, or maybe we can't overcome the financial hurdle that's been put in front of us. There are all kinds of moments where we fear failure. 
And our, our adversary, God's adversary, God's arch enemy, the devil, knows very real that we fear failure. In fact, it's the hot button issue that he pushes on most of us to stop us in our tracks so we don't accomplish what God's put us on the planet to do. This fear of failure can come in many different types of questions, like, are you good enough? Are you good enough to accomplish what God's put in front of you? Are you good enough to be the wife, to be the husband that you're called to be? Are you good enough to be the employee that God's, and, and, and live up to the job that God's given you? Are you, you, know, you might even ask the other question, uh, what if you don't measure up? What if you don't measure up to the standard? What if you can't hit that standard that's put in front of you? Maybe you can't make the grade in school. Maybe you can't, can't seem to come to that place in life where you measure up to the world around you. You know, today in social media, we put on our perfect moments all over social media. And you can judge yourself by those moments and think that you don't measure up to the standard and therefore you are a failure. You might even ask yourself the hard question, what if I try and I fail and I try and I fail and I try and I fail? What if I get in a cycle of failing? I'm doing everything I can. I want to do the right thing. I have the right motivation, but I just can't seem to, I can't seem to overcome. I can't seem to get the win. I can't seem to get the victory. The fact is, the fear of failure is one of, those, one of those hinge points in life that if we learn to overcome the fear of failure, if we learn how to deal with the fear of failure, we can finally, we can finally excel in the things of God and what he's called us to do. When I was younger and I was preaching to a group of students as a youth pastor, I was talking to them much like I'm talking to you and talking about the fear of failure in their life, trying to relate it more to teenagers. And I talked about the testing that they take every day. You know, there's tests in school that they take through junior high and high school. There's standardized testing. There's testing for math or history or whatever class. And I tried to make the point that just because you get an F on a test, it doesn't make you a failure. Except it came out like this. Just because you get an F on a test, it doesn't make you an effer. And I lost the whole group just instantly. I had kids coming up to me for years afterwards. Thank you, pastor, for telling me that I'm not an effer. But some of us, that's how we feel in life. We feel, we fear failure so much that that F word hangs around our neck. Maybe not the F word you're thinking of, but that F word hangs around your neck and you think you are marked as a failure for the rest of your life and it's just not true. No matter what you've gone through or no matter what you failed at, there's always a way out. There's always a moment of redemption. Jesus told a parable to illustrate how crippling the fear of failure can be. If you have your Bibles, you can turn uh, to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 24 is where we'll take off in our reading, but I'm going to give some background to the story. Jesus says this story to his disciples and those who are listening. He says, there's a man who's about to go on a business trip and he's got some money. He's got some substance. And so he divvies it out to his servants. To the first servant, he gives five talents. To the second servant, he gives two talents. And to the third servant, he gives one talent. This would be the equivalent of being given a check. Being given a check from your boss. And your boss saying, hey, I'm going to be gone for a while. Go handle some business. Go do what I would do with these funds. So think it to yourself. If your boss was going to be on an extended trip, he gave you $5,000. And he said, do with it something that I would do. Do with it something that would make me a profit. And so the first gentleman takes his $5,000 and he doubles his money to 10. Second gentleman adds to his amount, the $2,000 that he was given. But the third gentleman takes his 
money and he does something completely different. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 24, it says, Master, this is the third man, when the gentleman had come back from his business trip, said, Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground or I hid your check in the ground. See, here's everything that belongs to you. He gave him back exactly what he was given. Master said to him, he replied to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Take that talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 or the one who doubled my money. It's a harsh statement from Jesus. He's laying groundwork for what the kingdom of heaven looks like. He's dealing specifically with the fear of failure. And he says, there were two men who were given opportunity. They took the opportunity that I handed them and they doubled down. They made something of it, but you took the opportunity that I've given you. You buried it in the ground and all you could give back to me was what I gave you the first time. Take it from him. Take it from him. Take it away and give it to the one who's made some money. In fact, there's a natural law that's around this. There's a mathematical equation and there's an economic equation that's actually referred to as the law of Matthew. The mathematical equation is called a Pareto distribution. The natural law is the natural law of the fear of failure. It's referenced twice in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 29, the verse just after what we've read, and Matthew chapter 13 and verse 12. I'm gonna read both of them, and they're very similar in their language. The first one says this, Matthew 13 and verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be added, and he'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have, what he has will be taken away from him. This is Jesus talking. This seems super harsh and unfair. Then he says it again in Matthew 25 and verse 29. For, it, for to everyone who has, more will be given to him, and he'll live in an abundance. But whoever doesn't have, what he has will be taken away from him. Let's talk about this charting in a, in a Pareto distribution. Go back to the, to the, other, or the, the other slide there. A Pareto distribution or this mathematical equation of a Pareto distribution is this idea that there's a top 1%, right? We have folks who have money in the world, the top of the wealth earners in the world, the one percenters, of that 1%, only 10% really truly hold the majority of the wealth. So it's not an even distribution. Built into life is this scale that looks impossible to climb. Built in our hearts is this fear of failure that poses the question, will you climb the scale? Will you do what's difficult and hard? Or, or will this scripture be realized in your life to one degree or another? Because in Matthew, Jesus is saying the question, if you have, more will be given. Saying this, if you overcome the fear of failure, you do what God's called you to do, more will be added onto you. But if you shrink back and hide, to him who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is reminiscent of the parable that Jesus just told. He gave talents to some. They doubled down their efforts. They made money. They were the good servants. The one who hit it and pushed it in the ground because he was afraid and only gave back what was given to him. What was given to him was taken away and given to the one who had doubled his efforts. The point Jesus is making and the point the scripture is making is that there is within the human nature a fear of failure that is so real that if you succumb to it, even if you're broke, more is gonna be taken away from you. But if you learn to overcome fear, what you have will be doubled on, will be portioned over, you will excel and exceed in what you're going after. What the Bible is specifically telling us 
is that if we overcome fear, we learn how to beat the curve of this Pareto distribution. We learn how to beat this mathematical equation that looks like it's too hard to overcome. We understand that the top earners or the top group of whatever we're looking at, man, it looks hard to be the top guy, the top dog, yet it's not a place that's set in stone. See, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Facebook didn't exist. Now it's one of the largest companies in the world, and Mark Zuckerberg is one of the richest men in the world. 20 years ago, Jeff Bezos was sitting at a makeshift desk trying to sell books out of his garage. Now he's one of the richest men in the world. Amazon is one of the largest country, uh, companies in the world. Now think back to it. Sears and Roebuck was high on the stock exchange, yet now they're almost non-existent. Companies like Kmart were all over the landscape. Now they've all but shut down. The, the top end is not set in stone. What we're saying is that we, get, we have this idea, this fear of failure, because we look at someone who's excelled. We look at someone who's accomplished something. We look at someone who's in the placement that we're, we're gunning for. And we wonder to ourselves, how could I possibly get in, that, in that, that, that sphere? How can I possibly reach that status? And the only way to do it is to overcome the fear of failure because it's not sedentary. It's not etched in stone. Those places are movable. Those parts always change in and out hands. So what that says is in your job, no one, no one, no one should keep you from excelling just because they've been in a position forever. Just because they look like they can't get knocked off. Now it's not about competition and knocking someone off. It's about this idea that when you overcome fear, the, the world will make a way. God will make a way for you to excel in what you're going after. That if we learn to honestly overcome fear, that God will pour into us more and more and more so we excel and excel and excel in what he's called us to do. But how do we overcome this fear of failure? We could, we could talk about the fear of failure all day. We could, we could mark it. We could map it out. We could show you in your life where it creeps up, the hot button issue that's pressed that causes the fear of failure to spark in your heart and in your mind. But the reality is how do we overcome it? How do we overcome this terrifying fear? Well, the first thing is you have to understand you will fail. You will fail. There is no way around it. In life, there are too many moments for us to fall short. You are going to miss the mark at some time or another. We all stumble in some way or another. James chapter three and verse two, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. But as I was speaking to this group of kids, and I'm trying to do everything I can to fashion and craft a sermon that grips their heart and lets them know that they're not a failure, and I goof up and I make the statement, just because you get an F on a test, it doesn't make you an effort. That's like an all-time pastor failure moment. When you screw up what you're saying and you throw in a almost F-bomb, that's not a good moment. In fact, parents look at you kind of funny, like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing in your spare time that that would come out? but you have to learn to move past it. In fact, that became one of the hinge point moments in that ministry, in that youth group, because it became a moment, even though I goofed up and screwed up and failed in the moment, that became a moment God used to connect those kids to a purpose and a destiny in their heart and in their life. We all have moments where we stumble. It doesn't mean God can't use them. It doesn't mean God can't repurpose them, refashion them, repackage them. I used to work out a lot 
not so much anymore after I, after I fell into some injuries. But I, I, re I recognized in working out and getting under the weights that, man, when you push those weights and, and you're really striving for that next level, you have to come to the place of failure. You have to come to the place where your muscles are so fatigued, where you're so burnt out, where it hurts so much that it's almost, it's almost just painful just to, move, just to move it an inch, just to barely get it off your chest. You have to come to that place of pain, that broken down state of that muscle in order to grow. Because if you come into the gym and just throw weights around and, you know, kind of willy-nilly go through your workout, you never really grow. But when you push your body to the point of fatigue, when you're running and you're sprinting and you push those lungs to the point of fatigue and failure, then you get that second win. It kicks in and you grow past that marker. You grow, you grow past that wall. The reality is failure is one of the biggest emphasis that helps us grow in life. James chapter 3 and verse 2. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. James was saying in a sarcastic way, listen, if you can keep your mouth perfect and pure in everything that you say, everything that comes out is 100% gospel truth, you never exaggerate even a little bit, man, you can keep the rest of your body. But for any of you that exaggerate even a tinge, even a smidgen, then there are other areas in your life you're going to fail. James recognized that the, the mouth that we have, this, this mouth is a rudder and it steers our life and that at times we let it lead us down the path of failure. But we're all gonna get there in a moment. We're all gonna find places in time where we fail and it's okay, but we have to learn to overcome. Allow yourself to feel disappointment, but never disapproval. Allow yourself in the moment you failed to feel disappointment. You didn't hit the mark. You didn't hit the goal. You weren't that perfect parent. You weren't that perfect spouse. You weren't that perfect employee. Maybe you missed out on a bonus. That's okay. Allow yourself to feel disappointment for what could have been, but don't allow yourself to feel disapproval. God still loves you. Your kids still love you. Your spouse still loves you. Listen, I've failed my wife over and over and over. There are so many moments where I have not been the husband I should have been but I know she still loves me. And she has failed me over and over. And I'm gonna tell you about five of them. I'm joking. I'm joking. She would kill me if that happened. I would not be here next week. She would smother me in my sleep or something fun. We have to recognize that failure, failure is an event and it's not a person. Failure is an event. You are not a failure. Just like I was trying to instill in those kids that they were not a failure for a marker on a test, the same thing is true in your life. Just because you failed in one way or another, maybe you have a string of failures behind you that are implosion after implosion after implosion that does not mark your personhood. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. All things have been created new, and they're continually renewing as you are in Christ. Romans chapter five and verse three, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Last month, we did a whole series on Romans, so some of you are very familiar with this. But it says you can rejoice too when you run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They help us learn to endure. That there are problems, there are issues, there are failure points in life that we can rejoice in in knowing that God takes those moments and stretches us helps us to learn to endure, to push through life, 
to move on to the prize. Failure is an event. It is never a person. You need to get out of your mind this idea that you are a failure. I don't care what you failed at and how often it's happened. You need to kill that thought in your head. You are not a failure. Those are moments in time. Those are isolated incidents. They might be strung together. They might be one moment after another, but they're still just moments in time. You are not a failure. You are working through, working past and overcoming because of who you are in Christ. You can overcome, recognize the reality that you can be an overcomer. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16. For though a righteous man fails seven times, he arises again. That we come to a place in God that we know it doesn't matter how often we get knocked over, we're going to get back up. We come to this place where we know it doesn't matter how many times we get knocked on our face, we're going to get back up. How many remember the Weebles? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down, right? I'm dating myself there. In Japan, they have a similar doll. It's called a Dharma doll, and it's this little doll that's the same principle, that you push it down, and it writes itself, and you push it down, and it writes itself. Every child in Japan is given this, this Dharma doll as a kid. It's to teach them the life lesson that if they get knocked down, they can write themselves. If they get knocked down, they can write themselves. And through time and testing and playing with this doll, the parents are instilling in their children the idea that you can get back up, that nothing can keep you down except for your own will. In fact, that's why for a long time in Japan, they had some of the highest standardized testing scores. That's why many of these kids go into very highly sought after careers and very difficult endeavors because they recognized early that if we teach our children to right themselves every time they get knocked over, to, put, to pick themselves up every time they get knocked down, that ultimately they will overcome this fear of failure. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16 is very clear that we as the righteousness of God, we have an opportunity, though we get knocked down and get knocked down and get knocked down, that we can get back up, that we can be those who right ourselves. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. It might have been something very big and difficult and hard to live with. It might have been a failure that cost you more than, more than you're willing to really let anyone know and understand. You might have had a failure in your life that's cost you financially and it's cost you in relationships and maybe it's cost you everything that you've had. It really doesn't matter what's happened to you. What matters is how you react to what's happened. What are you doing to right yourself? What are you doing to pull yourself back up? What are you doing to be that little weeble that wobbles, but he's never gonna stay down? What are we doing in our lives to be those who are overcomers because we've set our goal, we've set our heart on being an overcomer? Galatians chapter six and verse nine says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we learn not to give up, if we learn not to succumb to the fear of failure, in the proper time, God will reward you. Now, I don't know when that is for you. You might say, God, I need it right now, right today. God, you better be on time, and today, on time is when I decide it's on time. It's right now. Listen, God's never late. He's always there at just the right time. But I promise you, it's probably not on your schedule. Listen, there are so many things I wish happened on my schedule. 
they almost never do. If you have children at all, you recognize almost nothing happens on your schedule and your timeline. Our kids are supposed to go to bed every day at 7.30. They can tell time. They can both look at the clock and say, that's 7.30. They should be in bed. How often do you think that happens? Never. 8.30, 9 o'clock goes by, and they're still running around. Last night it was 10.30, and they're laughing in their bedrooms together, running back and forth from their rooms. Nothing happens on the time frame we ever want it to happen, but happened at the right time. I, if, if the Holy Spirit didn't apprehend them and put them to sleep, I was going to last night. But thank God, he intervened. But we have to keep our minds focused. That though times might be difficult, though we may have experienced failure, though things might not look like we want them, if we will persist, if we will persist in faith, if we will take our stand in the right time, we know that God will do the right thing by us, that good will happen, that we will have what we're after, that he will bless our lives. Second main point for today is that we have to take risks in faith. If you're going to overcome the fear of failure, you have to take a risk in faith. There's a difference there just taking a risk. Sometimes I watch folks walk out in a risky endeavor, and I think, did you even pray about it? Like, nope, and they fall right off the edge. You're like, well, dude, you get what you deserve. You didn't even ask God his opinion. But there's a difference when we take a risk in faith. We all know the story, or if you don't know the story, I'll refresh you. But there was a time and a place where Jesus' disciples were out on a boat and the boat got really rocky as there was a storm coming on the Sea of Galilee. The sea that I've actually had the privilege of of touring around in Israel. And it's obvious that you can't see from one side to the other with the right weather conditions. And the clouds are coming and the waves are billowing and they see this shadowy figure walk across the water. And they're, they're scared. They think it's a devil. They think it's a ghost. They think it's a spirit. They call out, who is, who is that? In a very scared and timid way. And the voice calls back, it's me, it's God, it's, it's, it's Jesus. And God, if it's you, then, then tell me to come out on the water and I'll come. And one comes out and walks out on the water. And as Peter gets close to God, he loses focus. He looks at the surroundings. He, he looks at the wind and the waves. He looks at the choppiness of the water and he loses focus and he starts to sink. It's funny how God repositions us at the moment that we're overcoming and even though fear can overcome our lives in the moment we're winning, in the moment we've stepped out and done what God's called us to do, we can still feel real fear because of the circumstances around us. It's funny how God tends to reposition us. The only way that Peter was to be saved from drowning is if he had to look up and recognize Jesus again. Jesus reaches down in that state where Peter's about to drown reaches down and grabs his hand, pulls him up. He said, if you didn't fear, you'd walk out here all day. We come to a place in life where we overcome, we overcome the fear of failure by our positioning. Who are we looking at? Are we looking at our situation? Because it might be impossible. Are we looking at the circumstances that are facing us? Because the water might be turbulent. But that does not mean that we are bound and determined to fail. That simply means we have to reposition our gaze who are you looking at? You can't play it safe and please God. There are two big points that I see in the lives of people when they come to the end of life. And fortunately or unfortunately, I have the opportunity to sit with folks as they're nearing the end of life. 
to watch them as, as life literally leaves their body. It's a difficult place to be in at times, and sometimes it's one of the most peaceful moments that you'll see. But there are two moments, or there are two ways in which people leave this earth. One is either with an intense amount of regret, and one is they have overcome because they beat the fear, the greatest fear in their life, the fear of failure. The fear of failure is the greatest fear that many of us will ever come against. Can I do what I'm called to do? Can I be who God's called me to be? Can I breach that bridge? Can I scale that mountain? Can I overcome that wall? Or am I gonna come up against failure every time I try and try and try? Once we overcome that fear of failure, there's a peace that floods our life that says you can do it because God's behind you. But then there's this sense, this tinge of regret that I see in people's eyes because the fear of failures choked life out of them, possibility and potential out of them. And they sit and they wonder, what could I have done? Was there a relationship that I could have spent more time with? Was there something that was broken that I could have mended? Were there moments with my kids that I dismissed? This fear of regret can choke out real life, the real potential for life. But if we overcome the fear of failure, if we take steps of faith, audacious steps of faith, that we take steps of faith that are big and scary and impossible, but we know that God's behind them, it helps us quench, it helps us kill the fear of failure. One of the things I've recognized is the only way to kill something, a fear of failure or any fear in our life, is to come head up against it over and over and over again. How many of you remember that show, Fear Factor? The new one or the old one? I like the old one, the old Joe Rogan one. I always wondered on that show, like, you know you're competing for money? Why didn't you write down, like, my biggest fear is puppies. My second biggest fear is kittens. My third is babies. Like, you'd win so fast. You'd win that 500,000 or whatever it was so fast as they pour puppies all over you. But instead, what happens? People write down their true fears, fear of snakes. And you see them strapped to a, to a board and they just pile snakes on them, you know? It's like, oh my gosh, and you can feel the, the tinge and some of you can even feel it right now. Like, ooh, a snake's not gonna happen. Maybe they say they're afraid of rats and they have that, that surprise box and they stick their hand in there and there's a big fuzzy rat in there and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, and that willies just go up your back. But if you've ever understood the concept of the show, it's to face your fears head on to consistently face fear head on because you overcome those fears by facing them head on. This is what I mean when I say you can't play it safe and please God. We've got to come to a place in our life where we've overcome fear or the, at least the potential for the fear of failure to such a degree that we go after it, that we lay down on the board and say, okay, I'm afraid of snakes, but throw them suckers on me because I'm getting over this. Where's that, where's that box with the rat in it? Because I'm going after it. We've got to come to a place in life where we look our fears in the face and say, you will not own me. You will not own me. I will overcome. It's not an easy thing to do, but the more you do it, the more you step out, the more you step out on those turbulent waters, the more you step out to confront fear, the greater likelihood is that you are going to be an overcomer that you're gonna stare, you're gonna stare fear in the face and recognize that you can beat it. 
If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5, verse 38 and 29. So I have to ask the hard question today. What faith risk are you going to take to overcome fear? What faith risk? Go ahead and pray about it, man. Get this in your spirit. Take some time to churn on this question. What faith risk are you going to take to overcome fear in your life? Acts chapter 5 and verse 38 and 39 and it says, therefore, in the, uh, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their, their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Listen, this is the question for all of us. If God's called you to something, something great, maybe something that you can't even see yourself accomplishing. Maybe God's called you to something that is so much bigger than you really recognize, but it's so full of, it so motivates fear inside of your heart. If you step out and do what God's called you to do, no man can stand against you. But if it's just a good idea and it's not a God idea, the Bible says, leave those men alone, they'll fail. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. They're, they're gonna go by the wayside because it's just a good idea and it's not a God idea. And many of us are operating life on good ideas and not the God idea that he's inspired in our heart because we're so fearful of failure that we don't wanna disappoint God or we don't wanna disappoint our spouse or we don't wanna disappoint our boss. Let me tell you something. If God's called you to it, you will excel in it. You will overcome in whatever he's called you to. And fear is not a reason to be held back for the purpose, the plan, and the promises of God in your life. Come to a place where this scripture becomes real. It's in Acts chapter five. That you become someone so full of faith, your backbone becomes so, so stiff in faith that you know what you're called to and you step out and you do the impossible. This morning we had a young lady up here singing in Laura and she has, man, she's done a good job in just blessing us with God's presence and blessing us with her gift. But the first time she stood up there, man, them knees were shaking. They were knocking. She was having a hard time overcoming that fear of failure. What if it doesn't sound right? What if she's off key? What if it's not on perfect pitch? And you know what? She gets up every single week and conquers that fear. And so now she's able with the assistance of God in heaven to bring in the presence of the Holy Spirit as we worship. But that doesn't happen because she's just gifted or talented. That doesn't happen just because one day she decided she wanted to be on the worship team. That only happens because she faces those fears and conquers those fears every time she walks on that stage. And trust me, it's not in her personality to be in the spotlight. But God's drawing that out of her and calling that out of her. And the anointing of God is behind it. And she is anointed because she's facing that fear. What, is, what fear has God called you to face? What step are you going to take? What faith risk are you going to take that God's calling you to? Ask that hard question. What has God called you to, to do? A step in faith that you're afraid to really, man, to really take a swing. You're afraid to get in the game. You're afraid to get in the ring and, and knock this out and duel this out because you're afraid of the potential failure that could come. Failure is never final. 
Failure is never fatal. It's just a spot we learn from. It's a spot we move on from. It's a momentary setback in time. And if we allow ourselves, it can become a launching pad to what God's called us to. Allow yourself to see yourself differently. You are not a failure. You are not marked by failures and inconsistencies of the past. That you are now remade new in Christ. And because you're a new creation, and because God has a plan and a purpose for you, when you line up with that, you cannot fail at what he's called you to do.